You're listening to Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Amory. Well, kia ora koutou and welcome to Circuit Cast, discussion on the visual arts and moving image in Aotearoa, New Zealand and beyond. And uh, welcoming you to our 2018 Artists in Conversation series where we're welcoming artists and their peers into the pod. I'm Mark Amory and I'm guiding things along today. Our conversation today is on the occasion of Sorowit Songsart's installation Starlings at Art Space. And we are joined by Sorowit. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having us here uh, next to Art Space at Totai. Um, and also with me is curator and current assistant curator at Art Space, uh, Bridget Rigger. Kia ora. Kia ora. Well, firstly, um, I don't want to sound like the Women's Weekly, but how did how did you guys meet? Have you guys known each other for long here and around the traps in Auckland? Have you worked together much before? Um, I've first I kind of seen Bridget around Auckland for a few years now, but like our first meeting was um, my postgraduate diploma show at Elam, um, and she came around and brought heaps of people to see my work and <laughs> like walk up the stand and be like, "Hi, Sarawit," and I was like really surprised that. She knew how to pronounce my name, and I didn't know who she was back then, but yeah. This was at Elam? Yeah, this was at Elam grad show, yeah. <laughs> back yeah. in 2012, yeah. Yeah, so I just really liked Sarawit's work <laughs> and kind of directed anyone who I knew was going to the grad show to his work. <laughs> and what yeah. were you doing at that time? I think I was not doing much at the time. I was taking a break from my art history degree. So yeah, just kind of starting to become part of the art scene myself. And mm. then we have worked together quite a bit since on yeah. various projects. Um, I have this other uh, project that I kind of organised with um, my fellow artist friend Aisha Green and it's called Hapuri um, and it's like a non, um, no physical space sort of art initiative. Um, a roaming yeah so like each project is like change um, locations according to whatever curatorial context we're dealing with and then we produce like publication and such and such um, and Pr- Bridget was like our first test <laughs> <laughs> she was yeah she was our first kind of yeah project really with um, Hapori yeah what was that project um oh <laughs> It was called Dead to the World, and uh, Sorowa and Yisha kind of came to me with these prim- with a set of premies. Like um, at the the show was going to be in Sorowa's flat, and it had to work with young artists, and so I took those cues and just kind of it it was really kind of my first public moment, and it was crazy, and I'm quite embarrassed but really glad I <laughs> <laughs> I don't I can't tell you what the show was about. I don't know some kind of philosophical <laughs> yeah it was pretty philosophical um but also yeah Isha and I had this kind of idea that we want to try to organize art in like a domestic environment rather than like a institutional um like cute white ball, white walls um so yeah Hapori first one was at my flat and then the second one was at um uh, an office downtown um, in the in Auckland CBD, and then the third one was with um, Anna Rankin, um, who work around history of um, 
women's center so we organize our project at um, Graylin Women's Center so yeah it's like kind of roaming to like different places. Is that sort of work increasing do you think at the moment in terms of artist practice here in, in Auckland? You got a sense of that? Well you would expect that it would be given kind of the economic rental situation but mm-hmm. I don't actually think that it is yeah, in you terms mean kind of, of well, I mean, in terms of artist social concerns as to whether we're seeing more out of gallery work, um, where rather than trying to bring the you know the people that frequent the Greyland Community Centre to art space, it's going out and felting there or, or whatever the work is. No, mm. <laughs> not many, but there's a few popping up. Um, I think. Uh, do you know about Mokopapaki? I think they yeah, yeah, Don Model. That model is pretty interesting, and they interesting include um, they include like sort of non fine art practice um, practitioners as well. Being, yeah. But it's still bringing them into the gallery space. Right? Yeah, but the, the the gallery space is very different. To though it's like mm. a shop that try to like support artists by selling their work, and sometimes it's like a publication launch space, reading space. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's very versatile. Well, we we here on the occasion of the ins, uh, your installation stylings. It's at art space, but I think there's also some some work out in public space as well. Um, and the theme of the work, I don't know. I'm really interested in this kind of idea of thinking about new ways of being in the world or art expressing that, and this more, I guess, symbiotic approach of mutuality between different people in our sense with our, as that recognizing we're part of an environment that's uh, kind of I know biophilosophical perspective I, I'm wondering is this as uh, an interest that you guys share yeah I think yeah there's some connections there um, I mean Bridget your thesis was quite heavily philosophical um, but it still has that interest around complexity mm-hmm. right or yeah uh, complex adaptive systems, I guess, <laughs> which is like a looking at systems in nature, um, non-linear systems in, in within nature, and so kind of implying that complex logic to an understanding of art's capacity um, to change or make change in the world. Yeah, so I guess yeah, n- the natural or the biophilosophical has definitely been a large influence for me. Yeah, in my mm. thinking. And for me, I mean, yeah, I've, I guess my ex- experience with um, Hapori is sort of fed into my critical thinking already of in terms of production, in terms of teamwork, and yeah, ways of co- collaborating. Um, so yeah, I kind of look into ecosystems, um, like yeah, symbiosis and molecular structure or cells organizations, how those understandings can be applied to like society or like ways of artistic production or yeah we're working with other human which is like it's quite a <clears throat> it's a it's definitely a moment I think a like broad term for it is post the post humanities which is um, it's the collapse between sciences and humanities and it's the embracing of thinking of those two things together so that's really a, a large contemporary moment you've got theorists like Rosie Bradotti, uh Donna Haraway classically kind of uh, Catherine Malibu all woman yeah, thinking yeah. through yeah. these mm. ideas yeah 
and it is a very feminist kind of leaning in it centrally yeah and I mean, obviously, in terms of some of the things you're talking about, Sarah, we, we, you know, this kind of interest in this installation of these these giant blood cells and the relationship between those and these sort of almost DNA stranded strands and felt, and the video work. I'm wondering how else, in the way you've conceived this exhibition, how much these ideas have informed the encounter with for us with this exhibition. Um. I mean, I think about environment a lot and like how how our, our understandings about environment is, yeah, of course, um, construct by uh, histories of knowledge, but also there's new thinking, new readings that I've been reading around recently. Um, yeah, like Bridget mentioned before, that try to collapse just what is what is nature and what is human. Um, and that's pretty much centered around yeah key readings of post humanism. But there's also um, one of my other collaborators for this project, Robin Marie Pickens. So yeah, she we kind of interested in the same kind of ecological um, ideas concepts as well. And one of her research was around Stacy Alama. Um, and I think there's a key phrase that something like transcorporeality transcorporeality like yeah and I think Alamo mentions that environment is what internal, internal as much as it is external is it, is it, what do we mean by transcorporeality if I do, do anyone anyone able to unpack that term <laughs> I could have a couple oh. of weeks ago it's essentially like um yeah that um, as much as we are this body contained or this unit, we are um, a figuration of other bodies and a figuration of many bodies. And that boundaries, you know, boundaries aren't tr- tr- traditional limits as we have thought of them to be. Um, yeah. Which is like, I don't know, I haven't read Stacey Limo myself, but it, that is kind of one of the key concepts of uh, trans, uh, posthumanism, which is the, it's really challenging the idea of the human as a cultural construct. And so kind of trying to erase and rewrite that with kind of- decenter it a little bit. Decenter it and with like scientific knowledge and models from nature. Yeah, so you're really undoing that kind of uh, um, enlightenment model of the human. And how much has that influenced the shape of this, the work? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different mediums within the installation. There's um, physical interaction, there's like a felting room that people can felt and really experience how the material actually work them, themselves by doing it. And there's a video which is very sculptural, very bodily, and there's uh, objects that, what is it, like furnitures, but also Sculptural, so yeah, the the lines that divide all this medium sort of really become quite muddy and blurred. Um, and even how I kind of think of audience, how they will navigate around the exhibition as well. That's like, you know, because when you think of video work, most of the time it's just like audience standing in front of a projected screen and it's very one direction or like it's just sort of two-way conversation almost. But the exhibition space with Starling, it's, it's, 
you can walk around and I think like circles and cycle is a very kind of connection to like symbiosis and I think yeah. within the exhibition there's a flattening of um, materialities and languages symbols and materials you've got in the film you've got animation you've got film footage and they're all kind of leveled out together that makes sense so there's kind of material stitching between fictional and real and film and people in the gallery and it's kind of this um fictioning or stitching yeah of languages to make a new kind of thing which i think is yeah it's almost like a there's an there's an aspect of like materialization of film or moving image as well you know it's so just like experience of seeing or viewing you kind of navigate around it and mm. there's so many layers of navigation as well because like Robin Mary Pickens contribute like five microtechs which is somehow like inform some of the visual of the video to a certain degree but also not like she also works toward her own outcome as well yeah so while the um the work might talk about speculative ideas of decentering the human or new symbolic re- relationships. Why that might be speculative, I think, um, imaging that difference kind of the goal is always to make to attempt to make that happen, and the collapse between materials is that attempt, or the audience engaging in it is that kind of difference taking shape in the world the, the approach often with the animation work that you do in the 3d has that kind of um, recall of almost childlike more naive kind of drawing and work that has that kind of issue is that a way for you of trying to strip back some of the kind of I don't know glossy sense that we're yeah. representing the real yes but also acknowledging history as well um, I mean, in so many ways, 3D animation is still relying on series of images the same way that stop motion has done. Um, And yeah, so just history of moving image making, like go back to, you know, like flipping papers to just kind of, yeah, series of JPEGs or PNGs. Um, So yeah, I, I think I was thinking more in terms of, yeah, genealogy of moving image making and I guess yeah similar to what Bridget mentioned as well like imaging um, a world or imaging something that's already like when you draw something you kind of really make you kind of already make a concrete version of your speculative thoughts yeah <laughs> yeah that is a kind of real post-human idea that <laughs> is that by thinking it or imaging it or having the conversation you're starting to because we're post-humanism deals with this new materiality you are you are actually constructing that within the real or in the future and we'll soon arrive at it so it's not simply a study of these ideas or a material expression of them i mean we're, we're hopefully building them as we're doing it, yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about felt, uh, which is something that's distinctive as a material in your work, but also the sort of thing that came through for me looking at Stellings was the softness, thinking about softness, and in a way so much we often see in a gallery environment it's quite hard. Uh, was interested in both your responses to a kind of a more soft approach to the world. 
Yeah, I got, yeah, people ask me a lot, like, why felt. Um, I used to work with clay a lot, um, ceramics, and you can only mold clay when it's still soft. So there's that connection around male- malleability. Is that a word? Mm. <laughs> Malleable um, moldability. Malleability. Um, malleability. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, yes. So it's very um, sculptural as well. Um, it's very elastic. Um, you can stretch it to the very degree down to like the last strand of yarn, you know. And when you felt um, all of these are more, uh, uh, all of the works in the shows are needle felt. So um, when you felt with needles, you can actually physically see um, how textile. Um, connect how how fiber are connected and I, I mean people mentioned to me like what Deleuze wrote something about felt I don't know I haven't read but you know does that level of social connection just imply through the material do, do you yeah. have associations with it with the softness with the yeah. softness I, yeah. um I what comes into my head which was has been a key term for me is not elasticity but plasticity which is a form of malleability that I've been thinking through and it's to do with um, same dynamic but our bodies or our realities being purely malleable not just on a social level but again looking at science that with things like epigenesis that our brains and our genes are within a lifetime wholly rewritable erasable and rewritable so an idea of a softness of not just kind of socially changeability, but like bodily, materially, physically. I think clay is a really kind of interesting human concept and it goes right back to, I can't remember the myth, but someone was molded, humans were molded out of clay. We were were soft to begin with. Um, Yeah. And yeah, just acknowledging that craft is also technology as well. Like people think of technology being like these hi-fi gadget, but coffee cup, like, you know, yeah. like a scarf, that technology, and clay ceramics is also a technology. It's actually the very early form of technology, like when people discover how material can transfer, transform from soft to hardened material. That and in the same light, people, t- talking about changing our bodies, people think it's a, a crime to like take hormones to change your body, for example. It's interfering with the physiological nature of the sacred body, but we humans have been drinking coffee for hundreds of years, <laughs> yeah. smoking tobacco. Okay. Technology and nature and culture have been intertwined mm. in a very yeah. long, for a very long time. What are, you, what are your first memories of felting? Was it something that came up for you growing up or is it an, an, a, a, an adult encounter? My first encounter with felt was at the Steiner market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's often Steiner is a great carrier um, on the felt tradition. But actually it's stem from the... I thought about the practicality of doing it myself after I taught myself how to um, make 3D simulation of hair and fiber on computer actually. So it's kind of like a reverse, like computer actually led me back to kind of just kind of hand on mm. process. Yeah. yeah. Just out of the blue question, I was interested in who, whose idea it was to carpet the gallery and to, for us to have to take a as shoes off for the show, speaking of softness. Sarawets. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I want the pe- audience to be comfortable, but also to connect to the idea of domesticity. 
again come back to like environment you know can be from within and either that be our body or our home you know yeah i'm kind of interested at art space how much role the in-house curators have in the shapes of shows and how much the artists do and whether you yeah. think it's a place where the curator really puts their stamp in or whether it's a place that's much more about empowering artists to take that role I think it's a mix of both. I think it depends on the artist and the curator. I think that um, a curator can be heavily involved. Um, I think in the case of Sarawat and I, we have a long time collaborative relationship and like we've informed each other's practices for a long time. So there was a little bit of that there, a little bit of that intuitive, natural way of working, but I think largely Sarawat kind of did this on his own and I was able to support him to do that because it was it, the show was put together quite quickly but I do know of some examples of solo exhibitions where the curator has quite a bit of directorial input. You've had a change of director here from Adnan has that affected also the dynamic of how the show's put together? Yeah absolutely of course um, I think Remco at the moment is is kind of his work is more in the kind of institutional kind of restructuring. And I mean, this is only, Starling is only the second show that Remco has had as part of his program. So I'm kind of, I'm yet to see what his style is like as a curator. You've obviously been here in the gallery during the whole of Starling's, which is finishing soon. I was wondering if you've got questions in terms of how you feel, you know, of Bridget in terms of how people have reacted to the work or, or whether you've got comments, Bridget, about your interest in how people have participated with it well I think it's we've had a, like a out of control kind of level of interaction with the work that we did not expect um, people kind of hugging sitting on touching the sculptures the felted sculptures to the point where they're kind of getting destroyed on a daily basis <laughs> so it's really it's I mean I was told not to touch them yes <laughs> we had to we've had to start doing that because uh, I mean we, they can't be touched they're actually quite delicate and fragile but people were just called to touch it's them interesting how material can kind of speak that level of like engaging and inclusiveness like I don't know people just see wool and felt as something that you know meant to be touched or interact mm. with and I don't know, a level of comfort sort of radiate from them and I don't know but even myself coming into work, I have to take my shoes off to open up the gallery, turn the work on, and having that moment, I never felt so... Walking around the gallery barefoot on carpet, I just feel really relaxed in a way I never have at work. <laughs> it's quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. The, this idea of advocating for artistic co-production that's mentioned in the text with the work, it's still under your name, Sorowit, and uh, I'm interested in how you feel about this whole sense of co-production but also carrying this kind of identity in, in, in the art world of, 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 cr of creating a, a list of works, how far the symbiosis kind of goes and whether it's affecting yeah, how you I might mean, um, When Remco approached me, um, yeah, he sort of approached me with the idea, the format of a solo presentation and I mean, I thought of like including every names that helped me, like all the volunteers in the show. Um, and we kind of did that with the floor sheet, but of course like the exhibition is still like label under my name. 
Um, so to clarify, some of the a lot of the felting was actually a, vol a group of volunteers helped us felt. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I. I mean, I haven't really thought about. I haven't really thought much about that. Like some people came up with pseudo name and you know different names just to kind of make that ambiguity around collective group. But I think the show speaks for itself, like the complex level of um, the many individual individuals that involve and sort of construct the show. Um, I mean, Robin Marie Pickens, again, her text sort of led the audience elsewhere. Um, it's been published in different formats and there's a piece in art news isn't there and there's, there's yeah there there's a poster work somewhere yeah there's street posters there um in gallery poster uh and an ad in an art magazine and instagram stories um and yeah i've heard a few comments from people like they were like catching the train on their way home and like saw this text on a street poster and like how the show was actually interrupt their day-to-day -day, um, routine in that way, in, in a very surprising way. And again, like I've, I felt like with the street posters, like a, a cellular part of the show sort of spread and dispersed out. So yeah, I mean, it's still one body, but kind of. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. I don't. I think that it's um, false texture false dichotomy does it make sense to say that having a singular name or, or having either to be a singular or a collective that's not actually what co-production is about um I found that as a curator myself like I'm constantly influencing and helping people shape projects but my name's never attached to it a lot of the time and so many people have informed my work and their name's never attached to it but it's about yourself being open to that process and being able to be manipulated by it and comfortable with doing that for other people. I think it's about honouring genealogy and legacy and influence and just tr attempting to make yourself more open by that because I think a, a way that we have both been working is realising quite early on that collaboration rather than a top-down process between artist and author or curator and artist, etc., etc., or audience. Being open and collaborative is actually much more productive. Yeah. So it's it's not about the name; it's about the process and it's about the ethics of making. Yeah, it's yeah. I've been thinking about genealogy as well, and like, it's good that you brought that up within this question because, like, just think about when you introduce yourself, you're just like, "Hey, I'm sorry, but like." You don't go like, hey, I'm sorry, my dad is, my yeah. mom is, you know, like genealogy is already within and continuous and present. And it's quite easy to forget, like, the posters, like, kind of dispersing the microtext that was um, a lot to do with our designer, Shunla, who informed our thinking and Robin's thinking around it. So, you know, there are always many kind of agents within a system and it's hard to always kind of sing it, pull them out and single them out. Yes, although some people would argue that, you know, uh, the Billy Apple approach or an, uh, an earlier approach is very much for an individual brand and everyone else quietly gets behind it, whereas a lot of other people are kind of interested in exposing the, the many strands, which you are doing to a degree here. Um, 
and, and you are still surely so in a sense the director of the project it's a way to still yeah yeah there is a hierarchy I guess is what I'm yeah. asserting I mean sorry definitely had the final <laughs> say on things <laughs> yeah but I read somewhere recently like you know regarding the quarry dieback it's probably off topic but no um, no it's quite probably useful to have maybe look at some natural of you know connections yeah but apparently nature. if the quarry like die like it will 14 other species will go with it and that's yeah I don't know if, uh, a good analogy in terms of individual and well murmuration yeah <laughs> and the starlings right mm. um, they there are there are there are no top-down, you know, starlings make these shapes and they fly together throughout the sigh. Which is called memoration. Which so is called memoration. Big, big incredible groups. And yes. they communicate, there are these, there's no central rule or top rule. Mm. They're, deci- they're actually deciding on local levels together how to move as a whole. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's an example from nature, but I understand that it's much more complicated in terms of an artist's mm. name. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also to do with um, how you understand and operate inside of an arts ecology. Do you want a career mm. or do you actually think that you're uh, producing an interesting experiment with the world that might mm. change the world? How are you invested in art making and in the art world? Because yeah. that's a huge difference. Um, mm. I think Sorrow and I both kind of believe that we're experimenting in an attempt to do something with social fiber and stuff. Mm. We're not building brands or yeah, yeah. we're trying, I'm trying not to build a brand, but it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there has been a kind of, I guess, a convenient way of dealing with that in the past for art where artists sell work in the private galleries and then they might be able to, in a public sphere, experiment more and, and, and disappear as that identity a little bit more into a collective process. I guess it's finding new models. I'm really interested Brit, in terms of you looking at curation and your work across quite a range of different platforms as to how it might be changing and new ways for groups to bring shows together to explore some of this. Yeah. It's mm, a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just kind of, I am interested in and in people not being so publicly oriented or market oriented i think my generation of artist run spaces were almost immediately kind of borrowing the dealer gallery model a lot of young curators i know immediately have an institutional kind of practice or aspiration um I would like to see young curators thinking of their practice as creative um, and the same with artists rather than a career. I would like to see thinking as understood as a materiality and so thinking more rigorously really valued. Um, yeah, so I guess it's the same thing, be kind of punk and do your own thing but be rigorous at it and yeah, kind of the what maybe was it was like in the 90s a bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I work, I present work in a group show, a few group shows in the past and, you know, work under curatorial context, but working with Bridget has always been different and a challenge to myself and my own practice as well, because she, her way of curating is 
very adaptive um, and yeah so it's yeah <laughs> it's kind of requires a lot of openness in terms of an artist a practitioner pr practitioner as well to not to not relying on like a clear kind of um, curatorial structure it's mm -hmm. yeah well because I guess the show and I have been and you have been have interested in that moment of collaboration being the redeeming process or the redeeming that's the material is produced there between two collaborators or within the conversation right that's why we do it we're, we're trying to kind of politicize or save ourselves through the art experience as, as well as produce that for other people that's the point and if you're a curator or an artist just kind of communicating what you need from other people and not having that be mm. a dialogue it's kind of dead yeah <laughs> have you got any other questions for each other <laughs> i know i'm like we've been talking for years mark we don't know <laughs> <laughs> um. what's the major difference between this show that you've produced in terms of like looking at your own practice what do you think is i think has really changed between your last um yeah, it's really changed. Like it used to be kind of all coming for me. Um, a lot of my agency within this, the objects that I made, the video that I made. Um, but yeah, of course, with this one, you know, when you look at a cellular kind of structure, um, like where does the concept of agency <laughs> really come from? Like, I mean, think of blood cells that sort of act as this vehicle for oxygen to go around our bodies and muscles like you know like that level of agency I don't know I'm that's that's what I'm experimenting with with the with the exhibition yeah maybe a question for you I mean you've been here since um Adnan was here and like his curatorial approach was very in a lot of way from what I saw like it really breaks down this kind of rigid role of institutions like he really reached out to dealers gallery work collaboratively with Michaelette and Starkwire if I remember correctly mm -hmm. and really like held talks in like public venues that that's not galleries you know like how much did you get out from that and is it how different is it with working with Remco well, yeah, I see two, I mean, this is why we have changing directors at art space, so we get different values and styles and schools coming in and changing stuff, but I just, between Remco and Adnan, there are two different value systems, and Adnan was about kind of exploding and dispersing and disrupting and kind of producing a lot of events and a lot of content within lots of different communities, and I mean, we get to see that whether Remco's engaged with that, but what I see is within Remco is quite different. He's, he's interested in sustainability of institutional structure, and um, that doesn't necessarily mean exhibitions only being put on in space or within one community, but that also has its certain politics to it, kind of securing longevity and, and soundness, and um, soundness leads to access. So, yeah, I think they're two very different approaches at the same thing. Yeah. Well, you've both asked questions I was quite interested in hearing about, Rob, so um, thank you for that. Thank you for your openness. And uh, are you going to be working together soon? You got any, you hatching any plans? 
Sarat's about to head off of overseas. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Sweden to do another residency from April to August. Um, and it's like a no outcome sort of residency, so I don't know what I'll be doing or researching. And Bridget, you'll be here until November, like what's after that? Oh. I have no idea. <laughs> have you got shows coming up here that you're particularly yeah. hands on about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't really have time to think ahead, but I'm sure we'll be collaborating again very soon. You look kind of shocked and sick about that now. <laughs> Ah, well, thank you for joining us here on CircuitCast. This episode of CircuitCast was brought to you with the assistance of Creative New Zealand. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any of your favourite podcatchers. For more, go to circuit.org.nz.